lovers. Welcome back to another episode of The Spiritual Gaze. I am one of your hosts, Angel. And I'm your other host, Brandon. And this is our twice-monthly podcast dedicated to exploring the wide reaches of spirituality without pretending that it all makes sense. Twice monthly. Twice a month. And we <laughs> have been mooking or woo to you. When I was in high school, my friend Megan and I had this language where we just replaced every vowel with ooh. So who are you doing? Oh my gosh. We were in theater school. We were so obnoxious. The things we all did in theater school. I know. Well, hi everybody. Hoover Boodoo. <laughs> we're here. Woohoo. We're here. It's us, the spiritual gaze. Who are you? I'm Brandon Alter. I'm a non-binary, queer, spiritual healer, tarot reader, astrologer, writer, thinker, napper. Extraordinaire. The best napper you've ever witnessed. Full of jealousy. Well. Your napping skills. You know, it's that. I was actually going to say it's that 12th house sun, but you've got a 12th house sun too and you can't nap for shit. I really can't. Even when I was like younger, I couldn't, I wasn't a good napper ever. Well, that's probably all the coffee your mom was feeding you. <laughs> I just mean like, like my teen years, my college years. Yeah, still no napping. No, but I think I just, I worked a lot of jobs where I had to start early, very early in the morning. So I think I just, and I stayed out late. So I just maybe conditioned myself to like operate on, on no sleep, sleep, whatever. Yeah. That sounds terrible. I know, but that's what happened. Sleep is medicine, you know? It sure is, but when you're 20, you know, 23-year-old, it just is getting in the way of your good time. Understood. Who are you? I'm Angel Lopez. I am a writer and a film producer and an astrologer and a healer and a teacher extraordinaire. Yes, you are. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. We're both extraordinaries. And today we're going to be bringing you some ideas on how to move your way through the end of the year holiday times. Yeah, I don't think we've ever done this before. We thought it might be useful to just kind of pick apart what the holidays expect of us and how we might be able to engage or disengage in ways that leave us feeling nourished and grounded and not depleted right because hasn't this year left us depleted enough (laughs) i was just about to say i mean we're already through like the beginning stages of the holidays and i'm already exhausted so i want to take some of my own good advice and try to move through the end of this year in a way that actually respects the capacity that i have so We're going to give you a little holiday season survival guide and also disclose some of the astrology that's Mm -hmm. still there. Yeah. Um, I do think there is this tendency, especially in Los Angeles, but maybe where you are too, that like the year ends in mid-November. Like pretty much everybody just kind of like packs it away as soon as Thanksgiving rolls around. And there's this kind of belief that like nothing else can be achieved or accomplished until like the next year rolls around. And the truth is, is the Gregorian calendar is arbitrary at best. 
you know, at worst, it's just random as fuck. So I just wanted to remind myself and through myself, remind all of you that it's not too late to continue to accomplish or at least chip away at the things that matter to you and to not let these big, essentially made up ideas called the holidays stop you from continuing your progress on the things that really matter to you. Because guess what? The holidays will be there next year. Yeah. They'll be there either the year after that. And they'll be over before we know it. So uh, we just wanted to help everybody re-engage, to re-engage with your life mm. and disengage from your families because they're toxic. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Maybe <laughs> yours are lovely. I'm speaking solely for myself. Not you, Auntie Rob. You're the best. Thank you. Um, I have to clarify that. But the rest, basura. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just really kidding. But yeah, no, I think it'll be fun to just kind of use our spiritual tools to understand how to move through this time. Because even if you are engaging with this time from a mindful or calm space most of the people you are engaging with are not so you have to find ways to manage your response your reaction to everyone else's crazy yeah we'll talk about it yeah but first let's talk about our favorite subject ourselves <laughs> oh my god oh my god you're Thank so gorgeous you. Oh my God, you're so gorgeous. No, you're so gorgeous. Okay, you're right. Thank you. Let's check in. What do you want to know? I don't know. I want to know <laughs> how your heart is. How's it doing? Heart. How is my heart? Well, you are catching me just uh, maybe less than an hour after therapy. So my heart is a little vulnerable. It's a little open but perhaps not willing to fully share the <laughs> intricate details of what it's facing cuz i don't want to put any i don't want to put anyone on blast well that's okay present company not included cuz it wasn't it wasn't you i, was I know i'm fully aware about who yeah. it was yeah <laughs> but you know i think if i could just like generalize it i do feel like my heart is and just me in general i'm in a place where I am really trying to, I think, just like move forward from a place of acknowledgement around like the healing that has occurred for me this year. Um, and it's come through a lot of challenge, right? A lot of emotional sadness, a lot of loss, um, a lot of change. But I also feel like there has just been this like, healing that's been in process also the whole time because i mean the last few years have just been about a lot of loss and sadness and change and i think yeah i'm just trying to approach everything from like an acknowledgement of what's been shifting in me what's been healing so that i don't say stay stuck in any certain emotional place like really trying to move forward. Um, this past weekend, well, it wasn't even, yeah, it was, I guess it was not even this past weekend. Hello. It was two days ago. We did a little r ritual 
with our friend Lori, where we, I mean, I won't go into the details, but we essentially did some releasing around Noche's passing. And Lori was probably the closest to a third parent that Noche had. Um, so it was really important for us to do some sort of ceremony ritual with her. And I think, you know, we have, we've gotten to almost nine months since his passing. And it was like really important to, to do some sort of ritual. In fact, though, I'm realizing it's actually eight months to the day today when we're recording this, um, that he passed. And I think that's like a big part of the healing, right? Is ritualizing that, like really acknowledging that passage and creating some sort of portal for ourselves to to kind of move through into the next chapter phase of our lives, but also our relationship with him. Because that's a relationship that's not going to end. It just continues to transform and evolve. And I think I can like say for myself that engaging in that ritualized moment for him, I was able to kind of also see like just my own growth and how I was able to engage in certain aspects of it in ways that felt really you know, stable and spiritually sound and emotionally grounded even. And I still deeply miss him and connect to that loss. But at the same time, I understand the the forward movement of life. And so I think there is some, there is still some, sadness in my heart um, but I am feeling confident that I can maneuver through deep dark moments in ways that I am still able to stand up and carry on I'm nodding <laughs> I know the listeners can't see me nodding. Yeah. It's so hard for me to talk about all of that. Of course. I experienced it with my brother and I'm experiencing it with you too, that two people can be grieving the loss of the same thing. You know, for my brother and I, it was my mom. For you and I, it's Noche. And yet, it's such a unique landscape for each person because the shape of the relationship is so different. When the shape of our hearts is different. So I was glad that we did that ritual, though. I don't know. Am I just rolling into my check-in now? <laughs> yeah. Roll on in, yeah. proud Mary. Yeah. I don't know. It just still hurts so much. I mean, it's been eight months, and I kind of wanted to say when you mentioned that that they've just like been the worst eight months of my life, which isn't true. It's hyperbolic, but... I just hate experiencing my life without him. Like I just feel so abandoned and not by like him specifically. Like he had to go when he had to go. He honestly stayed longer than 
than was expected considering what he was having to endure. But I did have a really cool experience last week when we were down in San Diego where I had a therapy session with this woman who had been my mom's therapist for like over 20 years. And she's like very spiritual and does all sorts of different modalities like EMDR. And I'd seen her a few times when I was in my like late teens or early 20s, but I just got the hit because I've just been struggling. I mean, under the weight of so much grief and so much loss, and I just feel like I've been going at it alone, at least in terms of like ordinary reality. I've been going at it alone, Um, which isn't to say that like Angel's not here to support me. He is. It's just like not his job to like shepherd me through my intense grief. No, and I remind you of that every (laughs) day. (laughs) I'm just kidding. Payment. It almost was as if like my mom was orchestrating it from the other side, but I just like kind of had the bright idea to see if I could have a few sessions with this woman. And so I went and had my first session with her and we did some EMDR and we just really worked with this idea of like abandonment of like how abandoned I have felt with my mom leaving and Noche leaving. And what kind of came up was that I've also abandoned myself to some degree through these losses And my unwillingness to like sit with myself and just like be in the grief because I was like doing a pretty good job with my mom and then Noche died and then it like kind of dredged everything up and I was doing like a pretty good job with that and then my cousin died and I was just like nope like I'm done I can't like this everybody can just like go fuck off and I think I just like kind of shut it all down and just like have been running as fast as I can in whatever direction will have me. And I realized that like in doing all of that, I'd basically just like abandoned myself. So I do feel like I am with myself after that session more than I have been for some time. And I do think that that ritual for Noche was definitely an action that uh, reinforces that belief because in order to do that, we really had to be with ourselves, And it was really interesting because while Angel Moore, but me too, like have kind of felt Noche hovering around, I think in some ways, one of the reasons why we need to like tend our dead well is so that they can go through a process of ancestralization, meaning essentially that, that they are transformed from just like being who was alive on the planet to a more powerful more complete version of themselves in the invisible world that can then show up like as an ancestor as like a real ally and I do like feel that shift with Noche like he was and if you ever had any interaction with him you know this to be true like he was so much more than like just a dog And that's hard for me, too, because he was my dog. I mean, he was our dog, but, like, he was, like, my appendage. Like, he was my ride or die. And and so I know he's fine because he's got, like, a big cosmic existence happening. But for 12 years of my life, I was just, like, so interwoven with him. And so it's interesting. But he's definitely, like, a spirit. I have started to like call in 
when I call in the spirits along with all the others, which is only something that happened after doing that little ritual because I was like, oh, he's been properly ancestralized now. So so that's like a heavy check-in and I'm not like feeling like that <laughs> yeah. heavy day in and day out. Um, I am like feeling a little bit more lightness because of that work that I'm doing, but you know, as we come to the end of the year or whatever the fuck that means, I just like can't help but think of like all the heaviness that we've endured this year. And yeah. I think it is like a testament to us and just to how we're moving that like hard things have happened to us, but it hasn't like hardened us, you know? No. And that's what the spirits keep telling me too. They're like, everything that's happening to you is to get you to like loosen up and let go. Like not the opposite, you know, like, it's not to get you to grip tighter and grip harder, but it's a challenge. Yeah. But I do feel that. I feel that loosening in some ways. I feel like a gives less fucks mentality coming up for me in a lot of areas of my life where I used to be so overwhelmed by, with concern yeah, I see that in you. Yeah, now I'm like, oh, you don't want to be that friend for me? Cool. I don't need you to be. Peace out. You know, uh, for example. So it's a helpful place to be. All right, so there's that. <laughs> yeah, see, so much fun. You know, when you come to Spiritual Gaze here, we like to just give you fun, lighthearted banter. And that's what that was for you. So you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> this is your first time listening. You're like, wow, this is some dreary shit. And it's not always, but um, most of the time. Uh, just kidding. Uh, I do want to quickly shout out about our wheel of the year. We are three months into our wheel of the year. It is this 12-month essentially course that we have uh, been in process in where we come together monthly and meet around different themes that, you know, the astrology is presenting, that the times are presenting, and we do a bunch of different modalities together, whether it is astrology-based, tarot-based, breath work, spirit journey work. We're doing all of these different things, and um, we just had our third uh, monthly meeting last night and it was so beautiful we've had an amazing group of people and um, every three months we open up the registration so you can join us because you can just join us in three month increments our first three months we had dubbed the seeking season and we are now about to shift into the dreaming season which will take us through the winter months um or the summer months, depending on where you are. But uh, but yeah, so that'll take us through December and January and February. So you can sign up for these uh, at our website, thespiritualgaze.com. There is a Wheel of the Year tab, and you can learn more information there if you want to join us. And because that was like our pilot program these first three months, what we actually realized was that like once a month wasn't quite enough. Like we felt like we weren't 
fully connecting the dots in the ways that we wanted to. So we're actually going to be adding, and the price hasn't changed, we're just going to add a little 45-minute check-in session in between each monthly session. So that way, every two weeks, we're getting a chance to touch base with each other. And in those little 45-minute sessions, we'll be doing some tarot card polls, and it's just an opportunity to kind of share your experience with some of the ritual work that we're encouraging people to do. So you actually get a lot of bang for your buck. And we're getting a lot of bang for our buck because it's allowing us to be creative and continuing mm -hmm. to deepen our work with everybody. So uh, we really encourage you to, to check it out and to join us. Yeah. And just like, you know, a loving shout out to everyone who's been a part of our first season, our wheelies. All right. So before we get into uh, our holidays deep dive, we are going to talk our least and most favorite subject. It's a divisive uh, segment, to yes. say the least. It's this episode's Dose, Dose of Reality. reality. <laughs> All right, so there is far too much reality happening beyond the reality of the world that we're all existing in which is why we plug in to these terrible reality shows because it gives us time to pause from the actual reality that we're also living in it's a safe space if you consider <laughs> adults yelling at each other to be a safe space exactly so there's way way too much of it to try and talk about i mean there's literally four real housewives let's just out ourselves let's just out ourselves and let's just tell everybody everything that we're watching right now oh my god let's really? just do it let's just be vulnerable and open and honest okay here we go okay well pbs <laughs> national geographic presents yeah just like a good like 45 minutes of c-span every dolphins. day yeah c-span and okay, dolphins let's not lie okay we watched the real Housewives of salt lake city the real housewives of beverly hills the real housewives of potomac the real housewives of miami Below Deck Mediterranean. The Holiday Baking Championship. The Golden Bachelor. The Amazing Race. The Amazing Race, which is my favorite. I think that's it. That's all the that's all the reality TV that we watch. Yeah, though we have also been really plugged in to a show that we had missed um, the first three seasons of that we're now watching back, which is Couples Therapy. Oh, which isn't so much reality TV as it is a docu-series. Yeah, I mean, The Real Housewives of Miami is a docu-series. Uh, uh, I don't know. <laughs> I, I would know. argue. That is sociological. Anthropological. Yes. No, uh, just uh, Couples Therapy is much... I was supposed to say much more highly edited, but maybe it maybe they're all highly edited. Yeah, they're very but basically, it's this amazing therapist. Her name is Orna Goralnik. She lives in New York, and every season she has you know a handful of couples, and you're basically a fly on the wall as you you know over the course of a year watch these couples you know make up, break up, learn things about themselves fight desperately to not learn anything about themselves. But she's an amazing therapist, and I have to say, it's a show where, unlike the reality TV that we watch, I feel smarter having watched it. And oh, I yeah. am thinking more about myself and how I relate, not just to Angel, but to everyone in all my relationships Completely. having watched it. So it's definitely high on our list of wrecks. Yeah. And I also just like enjoy getting to, because I watched the first season by myself. 
um, and then on a plane, <laughs> and then we plugged into it together. And I really appreciate watching it with you because I feel like it presents these like beautiful moments where we can pause and be like, do you feel that way? Or like, oh, I'm recognizing that in us. How do you feel? And like, it's really lovely. It's like strangely become like its own mini couples therapy for us. Yeah, Um, totally. It's very healing. Yeah, it's great. So with all the other stuff, I'm going to I'm going to say let's each pick one. Okay, great. So which one are you most interested in talking? I already think I know the answer. I'm going to pick my favorite, which is The Real Housewives of Salt Lake City, of which course. I think is just like, oh, we forgot to mention Potomac. Did we mention Potomac? No, we oh, we did. Okay. Uh, yeah, Salt Lake City is just like for me heads and tails above the rest in terms of entertainment value. I just feel like they are bringing it so hard and I'm obsessed with new housewife Monica Garcia Ni Fowler. Pray for Monica, everyone. We don't know what's about to come for her in Bermuda. So the real tea with Monica, <laughs> even though this is a legend and we don't know, is that apparently before she ever became a housewife, she went to other housewife, Heather Gay's beauty salon called Beauty Lab and Laser to get a fresh pair of lips and maybe her nose reshaped. Who knows? And she did not pay she like signed up for like a $2,500 program of injectables put down a $500 deposit and then didn't pay the rest and then was sued by beauty lab and laser for the sum that she owed but then she countersued saying that the injectables she had received were done in a way that did greater damage and she had to go elsewhere to fix that damage and so she was like countersuing to pay the money that she had gone out of pocket yeah, like okay. a typical people's court episode. Correct. Okay. Also, it should just be said that Monica's gorgeous. 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 Okay. So she's got this open lawsuit with Heather Gay, but it's been filed under her married name, Monica Fowler, but she's divorced now. And on The Real Housewife, she goes by Monica Garcia. So she's developing this relationship with Heather Gay in good faith during the course of the show, but Heather has no idea that this woman has an open lawsuit against her. So it is deceptive to say the least. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're not sure how this plays out or what is going to happen, but just knowing that backstory while watching it, that is where I'm like, I'm deeply concerned about the well-being the mental well-being of Monica Garcia, because I don't understand how you go on a show knowing this and then acting as if it didn't happen or isn't in the midst of happening. Like, I could not imagine taking a job at a company knowing that one of the five people in my department is someone who I'm in an active lawsuit with and not telling them, you know, like pretending like it wasn't me because that shit's going to come out. It's great TV. It's just great TV and she's doing a great job. And I just think the ladies of Salt Lake city bring the comedy in a way that no other franchise is doing currently. Yeah, no, I fully agree with you. I also just think casting Salt Lake city housewives was so genius because to have the backdrop of the Mormon church behind all of this, like, conspicuous consumption and wealth signaling it just makes it like 
a Christopher Guest style yeah. comedy. Like it, it's just so, it's so funny and so outrageous. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, um, yeah, we were talking about this, that like it, it does the best job of all of those shows at really owning its sense of humor and approaching it all with a satirical eye to some degree um, that makes it more successful. Uh, and I argue that the Real Housewives of Potomac is the only other one that has somewhat of that. I think they do a really good job of presenting the comedy of it as well. Uh, I just think, unfortunately, that cast is a little bit, it's a little too messy right now as far yeah, as it's who's un- talking to who. And some of them have been on a really long time and so are just like fully overproducing themselves. Yeah, it's unwieldy. Yeah. And um, it feels like they all need like a big sit down and a, a come to to Mary Cosby Jesus about what is going on and how they're actually operating as a cast. But Mary Cosby's Jesus could do it. Let me tell you. Uh, I just think Salt Lake City, they're just like the most glamorous clowns I've ever seen. (laughs) Totally. Yeah. Agreed. Which one were you going to choose? You know, I, I'm going to go to the golden bachelor. Oh, the golden bachelor. Cause it has been a joy, a joy. It's been a real light. I think we've talked about it before, and I'm not a huge, huge fan of the actual Bachelor himself, <laughs> but... He's fine. Yeah, but the women on this show are Oh my just God, these women. So wonderful, and you root for every single one of them, and you sort of wish you could watch all of them have a love story or not a love story, like just like a next chapter. Like if they decided to do like a book club like series about, you know, and cast like six of the ladies from this cast and just like, like made a real housewives esque docuseries about them. It was like the golden girls meets the real housewives. Like I would watch that in a heartbeat because I love nothing more than watching people who are, you know, quote unquote, later in their life, having a new chapter. Like, I think it's so inspiring um, to watch that, to see people recognizing that they perhaps thought that a certain area of their life, their love life was over and finding that they still have love to give and that they still want to burn in that area of their lives. And I'm really hopeful that they continue this series and that, you know, either they go the traditional bachelor route and choose one of these ladies to be the golden bachelorette or they just do another golden bachelor. I think it's just, again, a very inspiring um, idea and, uh, you know, I would be curious to see if it could work in another iteration because they also just hit like a perfect pool of people. Like um, like even the the one woman who you would maybe consider the villain of the group, Kathy, you still ultimately want the best for Kathy. Oh, you really do. <laughs> even you though know? she's tough. She's tough. She's tough, Kathy. Yeah. But she'd admit it. 
Yeah, and apparently all the women just loved her. So there was there was something like deeply compelling in her that was happening behind closed doors. Yeah. So um, this week we, you know, actually I think the finale will have aired before or when this episode comes out, but while we're recording, it hasn't come out yet. The thrilling conclusion. But yeah, we'll find out who ends up together. Who do? Who are you rooting for? Honestly, at this point, I am rooting for both of them. Oh, wow. Like, I kind of want... I think they both deserve a happy ending. Well, I'm I'm just team love. I just hope that whoever wins, they stay in love forever. Me too. All right. Let's head into this episode's Deep, Deep Dive. All right, so this is your holiday season survival guide. And I think we should probably start by just talking a little bit about the astrology, the cosmic landscape, if you will, of the holiday season, and then give some tips and tricks about how you might thrive this holiday season instead of just scrape by. Nobody wants to just scrape by, honey. So do you want to just dive into the astro? Yeah, let's do it. So what do we got cooking? Well, I think... It's just kind of good, I guess, to think of like where all the planets are as we move in to the holiday season. Um, You will have Mercury, I mean, essentially Mercury in a retrograde phase because Mercury is going to station retrograde on December 12th. So we're going to have a Mercury retrograde all through the end of December. Um. And you're going to have Venus in Scorpio during the holiday season, but Mars in Sagittarius. So to me, all of that is leading toward, let's just cut to the truth here, energy. The truth of the state of our relationships are, you know, if we're spending it with family, like let's cut to the truth of our family dynamics. Um, if you're spending it alone, like cut to the truth of what's created that for you, good or bad. Um, I think it's all on some level truth oriented because a Mercury retrograde asks us to review our thoughts, our words, our ideas so that we can get a clearer understanding of the truth. A Mars in Sagittarius is acting with the truth in mind, right? Acting toward the truth. And a Venus in Scorpio is relating from just like a blunt girl, let's get real. Well, she's also bone collecting. Totally. Yeah. But, you know, Scorpio like, yeah, holds on to things. So it's like, Oh, well, that's not what you did last time. Or that's not what you said last time. Remember when this happened? Or I remember that. So there's a lot of remembering. That remembering? Oh, yeah. Re- oh, I guess. <laughs> a good time to remembering. Oh, remembering. Oh, remembering. Oh, I remember you. Remembering around the Christmas tree. <laughs> <laughs> so I think there is some of that energy too right but i think all of it then becomes in service to the capricorn energy that comes in when the sun shifts into capricorn um which happens 
you know, right uh, in the thick of December, that December 21st. Because Capricorn is all about the bigger picture that's at play. And that's what the sun wants to illuminate are the goals, the big picture. So is the truth of our present really helping to service the future goals? Yeah, and I think that Mercury in Sagittarius is a blunt truth teller. And a Mercury retrograde in Sagittarius is reorienting yourself around the truth. And giving yourself permission to let the truth change. Especially with families, it's so easy for people to get locked into certain roles. And then for decades, you are just perpetuating the same expectations from each other where if you just like flip the script a little bit all of a sudden everybody reestablishes a new presence of as who they really are so i actually like want to i want to offer up one of my tips for mm. dealing with family tell us okay so it's no surprise that i have a challenging family and over the last couple of years with all the loss, it's become more important to me than ever to not run away from certain members of my family than the past have been challenging, but actually to engage with them and to be present for them because everything is temporary. And my belief, and this may not be your belief, because I also want to say like, if you're somebody who feels diminished, disrespected, or not seen by your family, you don't have to show up at all. You really don't. And I think that that should be something that's spoken about more widely, which is that it's your choice how much you want to engage. And setting clear boundaries is really important. But for me personally, even though there's a lot of toxicity and a lot of dysfunction, for whatever reason, I want to engage with my extended family more. And I think it's because my immediate family is significantly diminished with the loss of my mom and the loss of Noche. Yeah. So something that I have been doing is when I'm engaging with certain family members who are historically really challenging, I am trying really hard not to actually let that color how I engage with them in the present. And what I'm really doing is trying to speak through that person to the higher version of them the more sensitive version of them. I'm literally treating certain people, even though they've never shown me this, as if they have an expanded capacity for sensitivity or understanding that they've never demonstrated before. I'm like literally calling them up. I'm speaking to the potential within them. And I have to tell you, it's working. So like instead of holding myself back or not sharing certain things because, you know, I have every expectation that it won't be met well, I'm actually doing the opposite. And I am being vulnerable and going out on a limb and then actually getting a different response. Now, this may not be true for everybody, and this hasn't worked 100% of the time, but it has certainly changed the dynamic with certain family members that I have found to be like particularly challenging. And it's been really useful for me to visualize in my own like Aquarius way what's actually happening, which is... Sometimes I think that like we have like our greater spirits, which are kind of like puppeting our bodies, you know, like I'm Brandon, this is Angel sitting across from me in the spirit room, but there are these like much bigger souls that 
that have these names that maybe or maybe are not Brandon and Angel that are like kind of like taking on these roles to have these experiences. And so with certain challenging family members, I'm also reminded that like they too are contained within a much bigger spirit. There's like an old soul in there somewhere puppeting it around and I'm trying to engage with that version of them. And most of the time I do it through my challenging myself to love harder. Now, again, my heart's been broken open by all of this loss, and so it's easier for me to love harder than ever before. And I'm not suggesting that that is something that comes naturally to people, but I'm letting that guide me forwards. But the other thing that I'm doing, which is kind of the counterweight to all of this, is I'm getting really clear about what my needs are. Like, what do I want out of these engagements? Why am I doing this in the first place? Because I think, again, especially with the holidays, there's this like unspoken script that we're all expected to follow. We're just supposed to get on the conveyor belt of the holidays and just do what we're expected to do. And I've decided to go against that and to really sit with myself and inquire of myself, like, what do I want? What are the experiences that I want? What do I want to feel? Why am I still engaging with these people? Or why is it important for me to have a holiday party or buy somebody a gift? What What is the experience that I want to have through engaging with these rituals? And that's made it clear to me, actually, like what things I want to engage with and what things I don't want to engage with. And so for me, because I inquired about myself, like what do I really want? And I realized like I actually do want like some intimacy with the family that's still around that assisted me in doing the things that I talked about before, which is like opening my heart more deeply and seeing if I can change how I react and respond. Well, I think all of that's incredibly brave to do because it's very vulnerable to put yourself out there, to put your truest sense of self out there, particularly with family, because family can sometimes have a very fixed perception of you. So to confront them with, on some level, the reality of you that may they might not be fully comfortable with, I think is pretty profound. And I think that that um, it opens the door for you to continue that, right? Like, like it's like, all right, here's like, it's almost like here's like an entry level version of my authentic self that then you know can give way to like the the deeper version of your authentic self and then the even deeper version of that you know but I think there are certain family relationships I can probably think of that I don't even fully engage my authentic self with because it's just too complicated or um it takes too much time, <laughs> too much energy to engage with. But, um, and that's not to say I'm like, uh, you know, I'm not hiding my identity from people. But, you know, I think there are just aspects of a personality that can kind of get lost in translation. Um, so I think that that's really great advice. But yeah, not always easy to do for everyone. No, none of this is easy, especially with family. Yeah. I think in some ways, like family is the spiritual masterclass. Oh, God, yeah. And again, if it's re-traumatizing, you don't have to go. I mean that. Yeah. But for me, I have found 
some really interesting healing. And part of that was me also having to like give up my firmly entrenched beliefs about who people were. Yeah. Because people evolve too. Some people don't evolve. Some people are always going to be the toxic <laughs> pieces of shit that they always were. Always and forever. Looking at you. Not going to say your name. But <laughs> other people can evolve and change. Yeah. And I also think that when you give yourself permission to not be responsible for your family's behavior, things also get easier. Because I can oftentimes like feel like the behavior police where I'm like, you're not allowed to say that. You're not allowed to treat people that way. And then I'm like, you know what? Like, I'm exhausted. I just don't have to respond to those things, you know? Like, yeah. when my dad says something racist, I don't have to, like, shake him down. I can just not respond to it, you know? Like, I'm not going to take the bait. Yeah. And then he can go find somebody else to banter about in that way. But in the past, I would exhaust myself trying to explain to him why that wasn't okay. And how do you think that went? Not well, everybody, because he just wouldn't get it, you know? Just like a generational divide. Like, it's not my job at a certain point to wake everybody up to how they're supposed to be. I can call it out, and I do. I can say, like, that's not okay, but that's as far as it goes, you know? Yeah, I think it just become become exhausting after a while, you know? I think, like, I... Whereas you feel like a like a behavior police or what have you, however you verbalize it. Like I can sometimes feel like the in-house therapist, you know, which can also get really exhausting after a while when you're kind of like, Oh, well what would benefit you right now is this, or have you considered doing this type of work? You know? And it's like, what am I doing? Like I am not the family therapist. Bingo. You know, like I'm not here to try and fix everyone's problems because ultimately I'm just trying to make myself feel better too. <laughs> yeah. Know? Like I'm just trying to like make the situation better so that I can be more at ease. Right. When like ultimately like I just need to release myself from the need for them to be healed in order for things to be okay. Yeah. Which is very Libra South node, right? Like mm -hmm. I'm not okay unless you're okay. Yeah. But you know what? Some of those people, they ain't never going to be okay. No, and they or they and they're going to convince themselves that they are okay, and that's their journey. That's their story to tell. It is not it is not yours. So I would I would just I guess yeah like take a piece of what you said and amplify like really focusing on like the who of this season for you is of meaning of necessity. And to, you know, really operate with boundaries around, you know, what you can give to those people. And, you know, we mentioned Venus being in Scorpio during that time. Like, it can be a bit volatile, a Venus in Scorpio time. So why not just remove yourself from any potentially volatile situations if you do not need to be in them you know if you know that a fight could happen on a holiday morning then why not just say you know what this year I'm actually not going to engage this holiday on that holiday morning I'm going to make my own version of it this year and I'm not going to feel bad for that and that can sometimes come with receiving maybe guilt or judgment from other people so then you have to 
maneuver through that, but maybe you can. And maybe you find yourself on the other side of it feeling a lot better. Well, and you know what I'm thinking too, just like with the Venus and Scorpio of it all is like, it's really just about like the person that you like want to take into the side room and have like a deep dive with, you know? Right. So it's like, go to the party and then grab your favorite aunt and just spend your time with her, you know? Yeah. As opposed to feeling like you have to like make the rounds and kiss all the rings and the babies. It's like, yeah. All right. So the other uh, little tips and tricks that I wanted to share are really about travel and how you can spiritually support yourself when you travel. And there's two things that I have found to be invaluable. And the first is a travel altar. So, you know, wherever you go, you are the center of your cosmos. And I don't mean that in like a, well, she thinks she's the center of the universe sort of way. You're so important. I just mean that you take your center with you wherever you go. And it's important to figure out how to spiritually center yourself when you're in a new place. So I have a little travel altar. It consists of, you know, a few things for each of the four directions or the four winds, as I like to think of them. And then I'll put out like a little cup of water and a little candle. And so whenever I get to a new place, I just like unpack that. That's usually like the first thing I unpack. And that helps me to feel like I have a center. You know, sometimes it involves some of my jewelry or my cards or my rattles. You know, Angel has his own way of doing it as well. But I think a travel altar, and it doesn't have to be big or elaborate. It can be really pared down. But if you figure out for yourself, what is my travel altar, that creates your center. And for me, what I like is I get to a new place, I open up the compass on my phone, and I figure out like, okay, where are the four winds? Like, where is east? Where is west? You know, like, and that helps me just like orient myself in space and take ownership of the space. Yeah, I've always just found that like so valuable um, for myself to feel uh, just at home wherever I am. And then the other thing that... I'll share with y'all because your family is a little invocation that we like to do whenever we travel. So I find that because travel can be really challenging on our system and things get lost in transit, that it's good to just invite the spirits to help you. So here's the invocation. And I'm just going to say it once, but I recommend you say it three times. Spirits of the road. Spirits of the air, gather up my energy, get me from here to there. And then when you arrive, it's good to say this little thank you. Spirits of the road, spirits I hold dear, thank you for safe transit, getting me from there to here. And so you kind of close the loop. And I'm telling you, it really helps. And it's good to kind of say it like if, you know, you're like driving to the airport from your house, say it in the car, you know, if you're like, just say it pretty much as soon as you leave your home and think about like all of your bags, like that's all part of it, you know, like ask the spirits that your luggage don't get lost. You know, these things can make (laughs) a difference. Yeah, I think if anything, it just like can help connect you to your spiritual self And also just give you like a little bit of maybe mental security too. So the other thing I want to say is kind of like in defense of the holidays. Okay. Because I am a recent convert to the holidays because of you. 
You are? Like, I have not particularly, you know this, like, I'm very <laughs> Grinch-esque. And you're not now? I mean, I have opened up the door to my heart a crack. All I want to say is joy, especially these days, mm-hmm. it's in short supply. True that. And even though the holidays sometimes feel like you're being forced to participate in an artificial joy, there actually is real joy to be had if you can surrender to it. Like even just the aesthetics of it, like the pretty lights or people trying desperately to find something to celebrate. There's something beautiful about that. And Sagittarius is candle season. It's about Mm -hmm. lighting one candle, which we could think of as like a symbol for your own inner light and connecting that with other people. Yeah. And spreading that light. Yeah. So, you know me and my hard Capricorn moon and my Aquarius always looking for the darkness self, you know, like I could rail and I have in years past about the capitalism of the holidays and the distraction of it and the look over there quality. But you know what? This year I'm tired and I bet you're tired too out there. And it's okay to just get yourself a peppermint latte and to surrender to some cheap joy. Yeah. Yeah. You don't have to like be Mariah Carey, but you can enjoy one listen to her song, Oh Santa. Oh, I don't think I've heard that one. Oh, it's very joyful. I mean, there's the obvious one, but I chose not to go there because you can't avoid that one. I don't want a lot for Christmas. <laughs> I'm surprised you didn't sell the newest Christmas classic. I don't need to share. I don't need to sell <laughs> Cher's Christmas album. Did it's we, selling itself. I know. I don't know if you all saw, it's but Cher like was like trending after the whole Thanksgiving performance she gave. Like She is having herself a holiday renaissance. I'm here for it. I, I mean, it's a great. It's a... DJ play a Christmas song is fan fucking tastic. Also, get the the extended the extended cut is mm-hmm. genius. Yeah, um, and I just want to say, lastly, for this holiday season, yes, the joy is important and the joy of other people, but also take time for yourself as needed. Um, it can be a slow down time for work, unless of course you do work in retail. But even then, more so important to. Find those moments to be still and quiet for yourself, to give to yourself, to fill up your cup of peppermint latte just for your own enjoyment and well-being. Or gingerbread latte. Or gingerbread. Or you're still holding on to pumpkin. Like White me. chocolate mocha latte. A whole lot of chocolate Mocha loca latte. Mocha chino Peppuccino, grande, gingerbread Girl, you're drunk. Latino. Um, All right, so there you have it. And now it's time for your tarot card. All right, so that sound means it's time to drop in, get quiet, find your center. We're asking for a car to help us navigate... This last month of the year, 2023, see you later, girl. But also, before we kick you out the door, maybe you can 
redeem yourself somehow. So give us one card that helps us to better understand, better work with the energies at play. Trusting that this message will resonate no matter the future place or time to which you listen to this episode. One more good shuffle here. Feels in order. That was not a good shuffle, so I'm doing it again. Oh, wow, it's the chariot reversed. So I say, oh, wow, just because I've been thinking about the chariot a lot because it is the card that 2023 brought to us, right? If you were listening at the beginning of the year, 2 plus 2 plus 3 is 7, that's 2023. And so this whole year has been about chariot. And I've been meditating on like, how has this year been chariot-esque? Because in some ways, it actually hasn't felt like a year where there's been a lot of movement. However, I was trying to discern for myself, like, what's the difference between like just moving for the sake of moving and actual like progression, evolution, because that's really what the chariot is talking about. It's not just like running on a treadmill. It's about traveling somewhere. And so when I think about like the dual writer actor strikes that were happening, like even though there wasn't movement, what that actually was in the interest of was trying to like actually change things down the road, trying to like grapple with things like AI. And so there actually is movement, but sometimes in order for there to be progress, it actually looks like nothing is happening. So I say all of this because the chariot reversed is especially one of those things where it says like when you are not moving is actually when the most amount of movement can happen in you. It's a card that speaks to stillness. When the chariot's direct, which is, you know, essentially how we're speaking to it for like 2023, it's not about stillness. It's about like how are we asserting right use of our will, which is also something that has like been happening. Mm -hmm. um, maybe we could like talk about how the chariot has shown up in 2023 when we do our like year ahead spread episode. Okay. Because I think it would be interesting to talk about. Yeah. But for the sake of this episode and where we are right now, the chariot reverse wants you to slow down. It wants you to like use your will for yourself internally, as opposed to trying to assert your will externally, trying to get other people to do things for you or to listen to you. It's really just about making sure you're listening to yourself, making sure that you are with yourself. And I think it's a bit of a read from the tarot that's saying like, slow down. There's not so much to accomplish externally as there is the need to let things move in you and through you. I feel that. And just notice for yourself, like, what you are busying yourself to try to avoid. What are you running from? And what can you do to give yourself a little bit of comfort, a little bit of grace, a little bit of grounding, to resource yourself is what I'm trying to say, to face those things so that then real movement can be made. All right. Well, that's some good messaging for you to take on for the next couple weeks as you prepare yourself for the end of this year. As always, we're so grateful for you. Thank you for stopping by and sharing some time with us. We hope you were entertained. We hope you gathered some wisdom. Until next time, this has been your transit through 
the spiritual.